Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Let's start with heat. Temperatures are expected to hit the triple digits in parts of the state into next week. A statewide flex alert has been issued for today, asking Californians to keep their lights off when they can. The California Independent Systems Operator says that will help lighten the strain on the power grid from all the people using air conditioning to cool down. California has topped 600,000 reports coronavirus cases, the first state in the nation to reach that very grim milestone. And there have been more than 10,800 deaths in the state from COVID-19. California has the third highest death toll in the country from the pandemic, behind only New York and New Jersey. In the wake of the coronavirus pandemic and the resulting job losses, courts in California placed a stop on evictions and foreclosures so people could stay in their homes even if they hadn't made payments. But evictions will soon resume again, unless state lawmakers can figure out a solution. KQED's Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez reports. More than 4 million tenants across the state are at risk of eviction, and their time may be running out. The Judicial Council of California sets policies for the state's courts. The council voted yesterday to sunset an eviction moratorium on September 1st. That leaves state lawmakers with just two weeks to compromise between two bills that would extend eviction and homeowner protections through the entire pandemic. Assemblymember David Chu authored one of those bills. We are breathing a very quick sigh of relief, but we have a ton of work in front of us. We cannot allow a massive wave of evictions to occur in California. Olga Avendano and her husband both lost their restaurant jobs at the start of the pandemic. Olga fears she, her husband, and three children will be evicted from their San Francisco apartment. She says her family does not have money to eat or pay rent and that they depend on food stamps. Some landlords who rely on rent to pay their bills are struggling, too, and lawmakers are working to give them more time to pay their mortgages. For the California Report, I'm Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez. Los Angeles County released new data this week on deaths tied to nursing homes. KPCC's Jackie Fortier explains. The new data show nursing home workers who have died of COVID-19 are far more likely to be people of color. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. 
among the healthcare workers and skilled nursing facilities, the vast majority, 57%, are Latinx, and another 37% are Asian. Black and white healthcare workers both accounted for about 3% of the deaths. Ferrer said it's partially a reflection of the high number of Latino and Asian nursing home workers. Of the more than 2,000 residents who have died in nursing homes, 30% were Latino. That's on par with white residents. About 20% of those who died were Asian, and 14% were black residents. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. When the coronavirus outbreak began, travel restrictions were placed between the U.S. and Mexico. But lots of people continue to cross the border between San Diego and Tijuana daily. Now, many of these border crossers can get a coronavirus test without an appointment. In San Diego, KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has more. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Customs and Border Protection has done little to screen people crossing from Tijuana to the U.S. for coronavirus symptoms. But starting this week, San Diego County will offer free testing to people who are crossing the border, right at the exit of the pedestrian east crossing in San Isidro. Jennifer Bransford Coons is with San Diego County's Health and Human Services. This particular site is targeted for folks that are crossing the border, essential workers, U.S. citizens that live on the other side of the border, but really any member of the public can come here to be tested. CBP did allow the county to set up the testing site on its property. It can test between 150 to 200 people a day, and while it's focusing on border crossers, it won't turn anyone away who wants to walk up and take a test. It joins two other sites across the county that don't require an appointment. Oceanside resident Graciela Barrios went down to Tijuana on Wednesday morning to do some shopping. I was crossing today and when I saw that they had the free COVID testing, I decided to take advantage of it because I have grandkids that I babysit. She said the process took less than five minutes and she should be getting results in three to four days. She'd wanted to get a test before but was discouraged by the wait times. But I know everywhere you have to make an appointment and it's weeks before you can do it and it's not as convenient as walking across and seeing it right here. The county says the site is a pilot program, only open when the vast majority of essential workers are crossing between 6.30 and 10.30 in the morning. If the site proves popular, it says it could expand those hours. For The California Report, I'm Max Evelyn-Nadler in San Diego. 80 some odd days until Election Day, California is seeing historic rates of voter registration, say state election officials. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. More than 83 percent of eligible voters in California are registered ahead of the November election. According to the Secretary of State's office, the last time a higher portion of eligible voters signed up, Harry Truman was president. The steady climb in registrations is due in large part to the state's Motor Voter Program, launched in 2018, which automatically registers customers at the DMV. Democratic registrations continue to rise, accounting for 46 percent of the electorate. Republicans saw a slight climb in registrations in recent months, nearly matching the number of no-party preference voters. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Local officials are reporting the details of a big coronavirus outbreak at a Foster Farms poultry plant in Merced County. KQED's Central Valley correspondent Alex Hall has more. Semi-trucks haven't stopped rolling in and out of the Foster Farms facility in Livingston, even as the coronavirus pandemic spikes in town and throughout Merced County. And the virus has hit the poultry plant, too. I'm getting a lot of calls. Livingston Mayor Gripal Samra says he gets phone calls and emails from workers about the outbreak at the plant. 
With the number of infections among employees increasing, some say they want all of the plant's 3,000 or so workers to be tested and for the facility to shut down so it can be cleaned. Samra says county health officials have told him at least 217 workers have tested positive so far. There are no guidelines, no books, no manuals on how to deal with this anywhere at the state level. Uh, Merced County Health, who's never had to deal with this either, is trying to find the best way to work with it. And they're literally writing checks and procedures that the state's also looking at because state doesn't have anything. They're literally writing the book as they go along. Samra and officials from the United Farm Workers and the Jakara Movement, a sick community organization, say they've been told at least two plant workers have died of COVID-19 complications. The first of those deaths prompted state workplace safety officials to launch a probe into conditions at the plant. And UFW spokesman Mark Grossman says hundreds of workers are not coming into work. And that's had an impact on plant operations. Some workers are deciding not to go to work out of fear of COVID. The Merced County Health Department said it can't confirm the number of infections at the plant, citing federal health privacy laws. Foster Farms did not respond to repeated requests for comment on the outbreak. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. We are living through some terrible times because of the coronavirus pandemic and all that it has spawned. But terrible times can also be important ones for future generations to remember. That's why California State Library has started the COVID Diaries, an ongoing project to collect and display items from Californians about what they've seen and experienced during the pandemic. I talked about the project and how you can participate with California State Librarian Greg Lucas. He began by telling me what the library is looking for. We're accepting everything in almost every form you can think of. We've received limericks, poems, haiku, short stories, journal entries, photos, videos, drawings, paintings, and we're storing those digitally so that there'll be copies of everything for historians to look at 100 years from now. And I assume you don't want a record of big, earth-shaking events, but people's really ordinary and small experiences through this period of time, and they can document it however they wish. I think that's a lot more informative, both to, to ourselves now and to people in the future looking back then. I mean, there's just so many expressions of, you know, our resilience as Californians. We wanted a record that goes beyond paper that helps people express what they're feeling in the way they feel most comfortable expressing it. And what's going to happen with all this material you get in? We're storing it in a special repository that people can access. It's called coviddiaries.library.ca.gov. If people want to contribute more to the collection, there's a way to do that that's right there on the website. In one format or another, these memories will survive and be able to give Californians in the future a look at how we coped with this challenge that we're all facing right now. You know, I guess this project underscores that history really isn't a performance we watch as an audience. I mean, we're on stage two playing our own small parts. I I couldn't have said it better myself. This is another tool to ensure that we're being as inclusive as we can and hearing and sharing as many voices of as many Californians as we can. All right. Greg Lucas, California State Librarian, thanks for joining us. 
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Reports Weekly Magazine. This week, Ariella Markowitz takes us back in time to a little-known Occupy movement that happened almost 50 years ago on Catalina Island. The Brown Berets came onto the scene in the late 1960s to fight for Chicano rights. The Mexican-Americans, uh, those were the people that were shortchanged more than anybody, and we continued to get shortchanged. That's David Sanchez. He founded the Brown Berets in East L.A. They demonstrated against police violence and the war in Vietnam. Then, in 1972, the group took on housing discrimination against Mexican-Americans and set their sights on Catalina. They argued the land was never handed over to the U.S. in the 1848 Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. These islands do not belong to the United States. These islands are Mexican territories. These islands belong to the Mexicans. For three weeks, they camped out in the tourist town chatting up the locals. But many white residents saw them as invaders and planned a vigilante-style confrontation. It wasn't okay to be Mexican. You know, Mexican was like a dirty word. That's Ana Mesa Araiza. She was in high school at the time. The occupation was brief and peaceful. It didn't result in better housing, but she says the Brown Berets spread an important message. To be proud of your heritage. For The California Report, I'm Ariella Markowitz on Catalina Island. All right. Greg Lucas, California State Librarian, thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. And that is the California Report for Friday, August 14th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our producers are Alice Wolfley, Holly J. McDeed, and Mary Franklin Harvin. Our editor is Angela Corral. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the Earth needs a good lawyer. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.